Mahomes as Jerick McKinnon has his back, galloping away. Mahomes pressure, escaping again. Mahomes got the first down and goes down inbounds before the touchdown that will end the game. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry and Jay Croucher. You see it right there. Jets plus nine and a half betters. You drink for free today. Right. By the way, easily could have said if you bet the under, you drink for free as well because both things cashed on that play. I also heard from a lot of managers who had Patrick Mahomes and they, they needed that touchdown to get over the hump or that, you know, or that they were playing against Mahomes. They were like, thank goodness I squeaked by with a less than six-point victory. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, what a uh, smart football play, maybe, because they ended up winning, but, you know, we would have loved to see him get in. Yeah, every time I see that, it reminds me of the Ahmad Bradshaw play in the Super Bowl, where he try- allegedly tried to stop and not fall into the end zone to win the Super Bowl. I still reckon he wanted to go in and score the game-winning touchdown. How could you but, not? Uh, yeah. It's human nature. But, uh, but the right play from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yeah, I mean, not from our perspective, but from his, from an NFL perspective, certainly, I believe, Jay, that's why they call it betting. Yes. yes the positives yes. are is that his, uh, his passing yards under prop cashed, which was my Barry's bet uh, on uh, Football Night in America the night before. He, he was under his passing yards prop, and his rushing over prop hit as well, which, uh, which we like. So uh, there you go. And, uh, and apparently... Through one game, uh, Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes are BFFs. So yes. there you go. Apparently and Donna not. Kelsey traveling the NFL East Coast. Yeah. It continues. Exactly. What a ride for Donna Kelsey. <laughs> you see, I just have to say this. Like, I just, like, NFL, do you guys follow uh, NFL I, uh, memes? The yes. NFL IG memes? That, I don't know who runs that account. They never miss. That account never misses. And they did one. Oh, they I know did, where you're they going. They did one with. Travis Kelsey and Zach Wilson both looking up in the stands. And, you know, Travis looking for uh, Taylor <laughs> Swift and obviously Zach looking for Donna Kelsey. Um, all right. Hey, all Zach right. Wilson can do what he wants now. I, you know what? Good for Zach Wilson. Yeah. In, all in all seriousness, like, I know people are going to harp on the fumble and there's a couple of miss, you know, plays in there. But, like, honestly, like, if you had never watched a football game before in your life and you took the names off the jerseys, and that was the first football game you ever saw in your life, and you said, who's the better quarterback? I don't think you would be able to say, oh, 15 in the red is clearly significantly better than the other guy. Yeah. I mean, again, he had two – Mahomes had a couple of picks as well. You know, Wilson had the bad fumble. But honestly, the Jets did not lose that game because of Zach Wilson. Yeah, Wilson, he wasn't magnificent, but he looked like a real NFL quarterback. He didn't look out of place out there. And that's the first time you can say that in quite a long time. And it reinforces my point from last week that we just cannot have the Jets and Patriots continue to play games of football against each other. Because it's just the worst spectacle ever, and Wilson melts. But what did you see out of your quarterback, Connor? He just finally looked confident and let the ball go and targeted Garrett Wilson. Seems like a good idea, right? 14 targets for Garrett Wilson. Obviously, Brees Hall was pretty efficient with the touches he got. So I think for uh, for Zach Wilson, you come out of that game and think, okay, we have an offense that can work off of play action and respect the run a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a weird game plan from Hackett just in the sense of it's like, why aren't you running more? Like yeah. the, the third and one, like that, was just, yeah. like that blew my mind. But maybe, if you're trying to give a little credit, where maybe the, the point was, is I'm, this guy's going to be on a national stage. We think we can throw against the Chiefs. Well, I'm going to get this kid's confidence back. Like, that's the goal. And I think, 
I think more or less, I think he did that. He was so, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, right. So they, they threw early and often. And I think the takeaway is, is not that you're going to go out and pick up Zach Wilson. We'll talk about waivers tomorrow. But just that you can, if you have Garrett Wilson on your team, you can breathe a sigh of relief because, right, it looked like a competent NFL offense that can get the ball to their best playmaker. And you have to figure Brace Hall's production is coming along with that soon. Yep, and now they get the Broncos next week, and Zach Wilson will be quarterback for that game. There was a chance that last night could have gone really south, and that's just him done. He'll be the quarterback for that game. The Broncos, I don't understand how they're so bad defensively, but apparently they're the worst defense in football now. And so this should be a favorable matchup and, for Garrett Wilson. And by and the way, depending on, your, depending on your, how deep your league is, I mean, like we're in a 12-team, two-quarterback league here. And there are going to be buys next week in week five, right? Kenny Pickett is going to be missing some time as well. We'll talk about all that. You may need to spot start Zach Wilson this week against the Broncos. And it's not a crazy idea. We'll talk about it on waivers tomorrow. All right, we have a lot to get through today. Of course, Weekend Warriors Sunday Scary is coming your way. But let's get into the Roto World player news as we always do. For all of your player news, go to NBCSports.com. And let's start with the one that had, uh, you know, the most hype going into the weekend, guys. The Bills against the Dolphins. But the Bills in Buffalo sucked all of the hype away from Miami real quickly, Barry. The Bills are good. Hashtag, you know, analysis. But the Bills are really good. Again, you guys are going to call me a homer for this comment, but, like, the Bills destroyed the Commanders last week. And I think, <laughs> Is that the time? No, but, no, but all seriousness, the command, the, I think the Commanders went on the road and proved in Philadelphia the Commanders are a better team than I think they get credit for, Jay Croucher, even <laughs> – even somebody's esteemed as you admitted. I've never thought, seen Jay laugh this hard no, in my Jay, life. Jay, Jay, uh, Jay the pre-games. Bills beating the Dolphins is proof that the commanders are good. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting no. take. The first no. take as well from that game from you. No. Number one. Um, that's, you misunderstood me. You misunderstood me. I mean, I think that is one of the takeaways. But no, I'm saying that my point is, is that we think the commanders are a better team than you give them credit for. And when you start with that premise, the Bills destroyed them a week ago, and now here comes the hottest team in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, who just put up 70 in an actual NFL game in 2023, and the Bills handle them pretty easily as well. So I'm just that's all I'm saying was is that like I think we should have thought this Bills team was better than we initially did as well. I think, you know, a lot of people had this game as a pick'em. A lot of people thought Miami would come in and win this game. They didn't come close, and I don't know that we need to spend a lot of time on uh, Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs doing what superstar fantasy players do. Worth noting, though, um, Gabe Davis, second straight game with a touchdown, which is nice to see as that offense starts clicking. Gabe Davis is like, when he scores, he's good. When he doesn't, not so much. So, again, he is a red zone threat. He had you know a lot of scoring two years ago in limited time. Last year, not so much. Fully healthy. They're going to be scoring a lot. Gabe Davis will be a part of it. Last thing to note from this game very quickly on the Bills' side, seemed to be more uh, participation from Dalton Kincaid, which is interesting and encouraging as well. So we appreciate that. And our long national nightmare is over. James Cook got into the end zone. Yeah, he did. Just last thing on the Bills as well, Josh Allen, now the MVP favorite. That flipped in quite a hurry too. was the favorite. Now he is not. And the Bills are still plus 800 to win the Super Bowl. They're the fourth favorite. Kansas City's plus 550. I think the Bills are just better than Kansas City right now, given how the Kansas City offense hasn't been all world. The Bills have a better defense. Trey White tearing his Achilles is terrible news, and that will hurt them going forward. But I still think they are the best and most complete team in the AFC maybe not in football, the Niners might have something to say about that. But Connor, on the other side of the ball, most at A-Chan, that was the big discussion point mm. coming in. 
I thought HM would have a bad day yesterday and uh, people annihilated me on Twitter as a result. Now, to be fair, in my defense, what I thought was that he might not get a lot of work. He had eight carries. Right. It's just apparently he's the greatest running back of all time with limited work and gets the two touchdowns. Uh, and I think, Connor, the main thing is that his snap percentage is going up, and it right. seems like he is the guy now over most of it. Right, and you know we could see Jeff Wilson back soon, which will make this even more complicated than it already is. And I think for A-Chan, you look at the opportunity or being opportunistic down inside the 20 and the big run ability. And not that Mostert doesn't have that, right? I think with Mostert, what you're concerned about in this game is the two fumbles, of course, as well. Exactly. That, right? That's where, That's in a backfield where mm. everybody could kind of eat in this when Jeff Wilson is back, you can't cough up the ball in these must you know, mistake-free games. You need to be mistake-free against the Buffalo Bills to win. And A-Chan, he's just the most explosive rookie in that back, most explosive runner in that backfield. And obviously, they're only going to ramp up his workload like you hinted at, Jay. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this, a couple of things. First off, I'm just excited people found you on Twitter, Jay, to yell at you. So to me, like, you're mad at the people are yelling at you on Twitter. I'm excited people realize you have a Twitter and they actually yeah. found you at CroucherJD. Yeah. Start yep. pissing please, people off please, more. Yeah. Yeah. Strategy. Please, yeah. please give them a follow. Yep. I think you can be his fourth follower. Um, and uh, if you if you follow right now. Less tweets about the Magpies, more about Devin A. Chan being no good. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He promises less Magpie <laughs> tweets. Um, and it's only his Instagram that's about his kids. All right, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, Connor, you bring up the exact right point. Like, I think their touches were fairly even in the first half, and then he had the, you know, the two fumbles are what kills you. One happened, I think, in the first half. One was in the second half. That's and then right. they just kind of went to A-Chan. And so I'm still starting Raheem Mostert next week. Like, I'm still not worried about this I will say however you feel really good if you use a late round pick on Devon Achan like you know I mean like I don't think it's a coincidence that Connor's the only undefeated team in our league in our show league because he's got Achan I have Mostert I'm annoyed I was bitter at him very angry at him well I mean these things stealing Achan from me even yesterday you would have preferred to have Mostert the rest of the season and now it's flipped and now it's Achan and now who knows wait wait till Jeff Wilson enters the fray well right and that's and I, I don't think by the way and I mean like I don't think, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. is a, you know, like, I wouldn't mind stashing him. Yeah. Like, because you yeah. just, you never know, right? Um, especially, by the way, HM was banged up a little bit in the preseason. Mostert's office dealt with health injuries throughout his career. So, uh, but, yes, this week, I will have HM ranked ahead of Mostert. But I will have both still as top 20 plays. Uh, against the Giants in a home game against the Giants that will be traveling on a short week. Yep, Giants and then home to Carolina next two weeks for the Dolphins. So they will get right and there will be lots of yards and touchdowns to go around. Yeah. Let's move over to the Broncos-Bears game. A get-well game for Justin Fields as much as the ending was very disappointing. Can we talk about this for yeah. one second? So, so in our show league, in, oh, our, in our show league, like I have a very good team. Coming into the week, I was 3-0. and I had the number one team in the league. You were second. But you were high score. No, yep. I was high score. I had, high, I had the most points. I had the most points. And I was playing our producer, Stephen D'Agostino, yeah. a diehard Jaguars yeah. fan. And, um, and so, like, his quarterback is Justin Fields. Mm. And so the one week, the one week that I have to play, you know, the one week that Justin Fields is any good at all is the week, of course, that he's playing against me uh, for Stephen and so what does he do? He goes off because of course he does. Of course he does, Jay. And Matthew, I, I last had like week you had Raheem Mostert against me. <laughs> yes. he, today he went, yesterday he went seven Hashtag rushes for nine yards. Right. He had yeah, 46 no, points. Mostert did nothing yesterday. 
Mostert did nothing yesterday. That's how it breaks, I my friend. Look, I, the, what's the, the game about? is the game. No, yeah, the, no, no, I, sometimes players have good games, sometimes they have bad games. Don't Matthew. explain fantasy football to me. Don't explain it rationally to me. Absolutely not. The players always play well. Right, exactly. They should play well for me and poorly against me. Exactly. Um, So I'm super annoyed. I had like the fourth highest score in the uh, league, I believe, and yet I still lost. I suffered my first (laughs) loss to to Steven at the hands of Justin Fields, and really, if you think about it, at the hands of Sean Payton. Because, I mean, here's a question. What's more embarrassing for the Broncos' defense? giving up 70 to the Dolphins or giving up 28 to the Bears or whatever it is they gave up, right? I believe they gave up 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah down 28-7. Yeah, it's I mean, a huge comeback. I mean, honestly, they gave up almost 30 points to the Bears. Mm. Like, I, I legit think that's a question, what's more embarrassing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, potentially the Bears. And it was the most irrelevant 28-7 comeback of all time. <laughs> I don't think cared. anyone feels Nobody good <laughs> about the Broncos. I find it funny that uh, Marvin Mims, he had a long catch reception of 48 yards and finished with 47 yards receiving <laughs> on the day, which kind of sums up the Marvin Mims experience That really year. is. Yeah. I uh, mean, you're seeing Fields here. Big day for Fields. Basically, we're at the point where the recipe for having a good fantasy day on offense if you're struggling is to play the Broncos. No, Just being I, honest. Yeah, I mean, by the way, I wouldn't mind. I will say, I think, I think, you know, hopefully, look, it was a bad, but it felt like he turned the corner a little bit, and maybe this is the game. Remember, he started slow last year as well. Their upcoming schedule, so they're at Washington on Thursday Night Football, so that's a short week. Don't love them against my mighty commanders. But then home to the Vikings, home to Las Vegas at the Chargers, like three good matchups in a row coming up after the Thursday Night game, so... Yeah, you know, I think he might struggle on Thursday night, and we'll talk about the rest of the players, but it was nice to see D.J. Moore go off in this one, and so as Justin Fields goes, so does D.J. Moore. So anyway, positive signs for, uh, for Fields coming out of this game. The other thing is, is that my Twitter feed may or may not have been filled with rage tweets. <laughs> um, uh, I just don't read my Twitter feed. This is the other mistake you and I make. Yeah. Uh, uh, or the difference between us in, in terms of Twitter. Because uh, one of my shot for shots on yesterday's fantasy football pregame is I said, I believe I said it on this show as well, Roshan Johnson's going to overtake the backfield from Khalil Herbert. Mm. That did not happen. Well, big day for Khalil Herbert. 18 carries for over 100 yards, four catches for 19 yards. Roshan, only five carries for 13 yards. I was with you all the way on this one, Barry. And all the noise from the insiders was that Roshan Johnson was gaining a lot of momentum in this backfield, Jay. But Khalil Herbert kind of wins back control. Yeah, like. and I think the thing is is that it's too early in the season for the Bears to just give up and start playing their young guys. And look, Khalil Herbert's good. Whenever he takes the field, right. he's good. He's been effective. He was more efficient and more explosive than David Montgomery last year. And look, he's still a viable option. I don't think they... seems like they're not ready to just transition. I think the good thing for all these guys, for Moore, for Fields, for Herbert, for Roshan later, it seems that at least they have the potential to put up four-score games, which it was looking like they may not have. 79% of snaps, 58% of the team carries both of those season highs for Khalil Herbert. So uh, we will see what they do. I, don't, I certainly don't love any of them on the road at Washington. Yes. My 2-2 uh, and two should be 3-1 and one commanders <laughs> on Thursday night football. Last thing for me from this game here is Russell Wilson. Uh, look, it wasn't always pretty, but he finishes with over 22 fantasy points as we head into Monday night football. He's a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He now has six games. Since Nathaniel Hackwood was fired, 
He's averaging over 20 fantasy points per game, 20.7 in those six games, including 20-plus points in four of those games. He now has two different games with three or more passing touchdowns this season. Like, he only had two last year, the whole thing last year about will he have more touchdown passes or bathrooms in his house, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's finally, a fair question. Finally, finally, I think, uh, bypassed it in the very last week of the season. So, uh, Wilson, now listen, the schedule does not get easier, right? They're home to the Jets this week, then they're at Kansas City on a short week. That's a Thursday night game there. Home to Ka- uh, Green Bay, and then home to Kansas City again. Yeah. So, it's two can- the, Kansas City twice, two, three Kansas weeks. City twice, twice in the next four weeks. Yeah, and then, by the way, they get the Jets. Um, oh, yeah, it's the Nathaniel Hackett revenge game. Yeah, that's right. Like, right. Oh, yeah, so, this one's personal. personal. This one is, uh, is personal. But anyway, I just think the, the two takeaways are here is that I do think Russell Wilson's usable as a fantasy quarterback. And number two is, is that he has con- been consistent enough that you feel good about the Jerry Judy and the Cortland Suttons of the world. And, and you know, it, it seems like – and if they can ever get some more participation from Marvin Mims, then you think – Second half of the year, I think Marvin Mims is going to become a thing. Yeah. Randomly, 10 different Broncos caught passes yesterday, and no one had more than three receptions, which was weird. I don't think that's going to be as egalitarian of an offense going forward. And last thing on this one is that Javante Williams, he got hurt. Jaleel McLaughlin came in. Connor, what... What's this guy's story? Speed. Speed, yeah. and he can catch the ball. And you see the targets, but you see the 72 yards on seven carries. He's a smaller scat back that has a ton of speed from a small school. He could fly. He can catch the ball. Peyton loves him. Um, and I think another thing, we'll talk a lot about McLaughlin on waivers because he's yeah. going to be a hot name for waiver wired on Tuesday. But I think they wanted to get him on the field anyway when Javante Williams was healthy. And now that he's not, it just Peyton has his guys, right? He drafted Mims early. They found this kid as a UDFA. And he just looks really, really good at the second level of the field making guys miss. He had a strong training camp, and they weirdly used him in the red zone a lot this year. You know, he, he scored the touchdown here. Like, I think he, there was another game this year where he had, like, one carry for three yards, but it scored a touchdown. Right. He, his one carry was from the three or something like that. So they, they seem to like that speed on the edge, especially when they get uh, in close as well. So he'll be a popular name uh, tomorrow as well. After the injury, it's worth noting, Samaj P. Ryan did play 57% of the snaps. McLaughlin played 37% of the snaps. Again, to your point, we'll get in more into what we think the split will be tomorrow. But, um, but yeah, uh, it's a tough break for Javante Williams. We'll, we'll hopefully have more update, and he'll be back soon. But we'll, we'll know more tomorrow. Our next game was an absolute thriller, the Rams at the Colts. And before we jump into this one, guys, we got to listen in on how it ended. Stafford ready calls for the snap. Here comes the rush. He throws right side alone. It's Puka at the five to the end zone. A walk-off winner. Nakua Matata. It means no worries. How validated do you feel oh, right now? Boy. Very validated. Jay Croucher told me I should not use well, that phrase. It's, that. it's all that Jay Croucher's right. fault. I, I feel like I, 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 I should have copyright that. I should have copyrighted that. You blew that. it now. I blew it. I'm screwed. Now it's going to be on T-shirts and so everything like that. And that guy's going to be honest. a fortune. Steven told me that we had sound for this game. Yeah, yeah. And he told me what the sound was, and I did not believe him. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew we had the sound and we had to play it, but I was like, well, let's see what he actually says. It's a right. radio call for everybody that was not the actual TV broadcast call. Yeah, Great radio West, call. That was Westwood One. Great yeah. radio call. Yeah. And it actually was the no worries call. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My genius knows no bounds. Yep. No, apparently it knows no bounds. Uh, the offensive player of the year. Uh, vote <laughs> if it were held today. Not rookie. <laughs> yeah, no. Offensive player of the year. If it were held today, Christian McCaffrey would win. 
Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill would be second and third. And Puka Nakua would be fourth. He would be fourth. He's been the fourth best offensive. He's got 501 yards. He's leading the league Ridiculous. in receptions. He's just been out of his mind. And it's not... I mean, it, it, Look, Cooper Cup coming back is going to complicate a lot of things. And I'm not sure what Nakua's role will be. But clearly he's too good to just be marginalized. He's going to continue to eat. And it was, I think, poetic that after he hadn't gotten in the end zone and he was so close to getting in the end zone against the Bengals in particular, he finally does it in a walk-off win on the road. Uh, I mean, he's, he's one of the stories of the season. There's no question about it. There's two wide receivers that have 500 receiving yards this year, Justin Jefferson <laughs> and Puka Nakua. There's two <laughs> wide receivers that have 50 or more targets this year, Devontae Adams and Puka Nakua. He's got a 32.5% target share this year. He's had at least 100 receiving yards in three out of four games this year. It truly means no worries to fantasy <laughs> managers and Sean McVay. Yeah. I'm just saying, like... He's on pace for over 2,100 receiving yards. I believe the record is 1964 by Calvin Johnson. So I don't Let's think he's going to break it, but, uh, I mean, he's, he, he's out of his mind. And it seems sustainable, just the type of player that he is. Yeah. He's not relying on these big Marvin Mims type yeah. of bombs. He is just eating in the soft parts of the coverage. Uh, and, look, I'm very interested to see, how do you think Cooper Cup coming back will affect him? I think the target share is the Obviously, biggest thing. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, to state the obvious, it's the target share. Where is Nakua going to be going for over 100 yards every single week? No, but is he effective PPR player? Absolutely. But in terms of the award chase, I do wonder if that kind of separates the gap. But CJ Stroud ends up, you know, yeah. top of the rookie of the year, things like that. I think Stroud is the leader in that market, and they still have Bijan second. It's yeah. tough to win that award if you're going to be a wide receiver too on what looks like right. a 500-ish team. But Nakua has been incredible, and. Look, I think he's. They're not going. Cooper Cup's not going to be full go Cooper Cup from the get go. I think Nakua is still going to get a ton of targets. It's just instead of being nine for one sixty three, he might be you know a six for seventy five right. guy. I, I wish there was a yeah. way you could you could bet like, hey, this guy's going to finish top four in like a bunch of categories. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. he's not going to win Offensive Player of the Year. He's not yeah. going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. But he's going to be like, there's going to be a lot of like, you yeah, know, he's going to be on the ballot. He's going to be on on a lot of ballots and get a lot of votes. And so, um, anyway. I agree with you. One of the best stories of the year. And until further notice, again, let's see what happens with Cooper Cup. But like, and I'm also, by the way, I'm not selling high on him. Because that's the other question I keep getting is like, should I sell high on him before Cooper Cup comes back? And I'm like, I don't think so. Because I think, I think the perception of what Cooper Cup will do to his role is greater than the upside of potentially what, yep. Na- what Nakua could do the rest of the year. And so I don't think you're going to get that upside in a trade. I would rather just stay put. Because by the way, there's no guarantee that cup comes back this week or that he stays healthy all year or that there isn't some sort of changing of the guard here a little bit that they, you know, that again, Puka Nakua, part of the breakfast club, part of the breakfast club with Matthew Stafford. So now it's the three of them. I'm just saying. Look, and to your point on cup, there's a few ways that that can go south-ish for cup in a way that helps Nakua between not coming back as quickly as thought potential re-injury. Maybe just coming off the injury, they use him in a less kind of uh, target-dominant role, and Nakua remains the guy. So I think that, I, look, he's going to be a top 20 wide receiver. They the roll more clearly. coverage towards Cooper Cup. Right. Like, we're not worried about, you know, Puka Nakua when Cooper Cup's out there. I, anyway, it's just, it is a great story, and uh, I, would not, I would not trade him, is I guess the, the one takeaway I would get there. Another guy I wouldn't trade, Connor Rogers, is Kyron Williams, oh, yeah. who, like, just, again, like, we didn't expect um, – we thought the Rams would have a locked-in, every-snap, you know, massive target share wide receiver. We just didn't think it was going to be Puka Nakua. Um, although I did say pick him up, and we have tape of me saying that in the preseason. Thank you very much. We'll never show um, it, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, you know, I got to circle the wagons of that. I will say this. I didn't have Kyron Williams. As much as I was saying, like, hey, 
I think Pukanuku is going to be a thing. I didn't think this was going to happen, but I did. I did talk about him in the preseason, saying I know they like him, and he's you know he's worth a late draft pick. Kyron Williams was nowhere on, on my radar, guys, and he should have been. He has been nothing short of spectacular. Cam Akers is there. Kyron Williams touches the ball on like every play. I'm shocked at the volume with Kyron Williams. When you look at him coming out of Notre Dame, I mean, he was a guy that you project as a third down back, a smaller third down back. Runs hard, always has run hard, does all the little things right, great pass protector, everything you'd love about a third down back. The Rams don't care. They will give him as much volume as any running back in the league at this point. And not only is he capitalizing in the end zone, but he's also getting some pass game work as well, Jay. He is. And look, I think the main thing for all these guys is that it appears the Rams are here to stay. Like, this is going to be a wild card contending type of team. I don't think they're going to contend for the division over the Niners or anything, but Stafford is playing at such a level. The defense has been solid enough, and the offensive line is keeping Stafford upright enough that I think this is a team that, you know, is going to be in the mix to the end of the season. He's going to be playing their guys. going to be scoring points. And that's what's important because it keeps Kyron Williams as a locked-in RB1 since week two, 83% of the snaps, 83% of the team's running back carries have gone to Kyron Williams. That kind of volume is impossible to find. Let's move to the other side of the ball now, and Anthony Richardson, welcome back, yes. A-Rich. What a, what what a, a return. What a, what a game for him. Uh, you know, 25 for 103, the two touchdowns. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 11 for 25 and the 200 yards and the two touchdowns. He also uh, gets 10 carries. So his rushing carries prop, the over cash is there. I like the under at nine and a half. I was wrong. Um, But he also gets into the end zone as well. He's played two full games this season. 25.3 fantasy points per game. 51% of his fantasy points this season season have come from rushing, which is helpful. I think um, he was on my love list. I had him as a top five quarterback. And that appears to have been wrong because I should have said he's going to be a top two quarterback because that's what he is as we head into Monday Night Football. Yeah, and fantasy-wise, Monster led them back as well, and the rushing is immense. But, Connor, what have you seen from him as a passer? Because he was 11 of 25. And look, fantasy-wise doesn't really matter because he's getting the stats anyway, but in terms of the concerning signs about him as a passer so far. I think with Anthony Richardson, he's going to follow that Cam Newton trajectory of it might look around 50-54%, and you don't care because he airs the ball out. He's hitting some big throws. There was one throw down the middle, drop between the defense, where maybe six guys in the league can make that. So I think he's a box score guy that you're like, you know what? He's going to make the big throws. He's going to miss at times. I don't think he has the greatest supporting cast through the air as well, Jay, that he can lean on a guy 14 times a game, 15 times a game. So I've been wildly impressed with Anthony Richardson. I've been even more impressed, maybe, or just as impressed with Shane Steichen. When you look at his departure from the Eagles and now what he's done with his quarterback for the Colts offense, where they know how to balance Anthony Richardson's running and downfield passing. It's fun to watch. It is really fun to watch. And, you know, what's interesting is uh, I thought, hey, he's going to be the best fantasy quarterback. Like, he's the most ready. Like, you know, for all the people that, you know, ah, the passing isn't there and everything like that. CJ Stroud's making a case for himself. I mean, Stroud's been uh, terrific, but Richardson's just been so much better. Again, with the, with the rushing and and the passing, you'll get there. But uh, he's he's competent enough as a passer that they can't disrespect it. Yep. Our final game here, guys, in our first segment: your Commanders at the Eagles. A thriller. A thriller for the Commanders. Yeah. Sam Someone. Howell coming off a tough week, and Not his name. he bounced back. <laughs> Ring of Honor, Sam Howell. Future Hall of Famer. Future. Sam Howell. Hall of Famer. I feel Sam better Howell. about that statement today than I did a week ago. Oh, yeah. How could you not? Well, the bar was a little low, but he did look great yesterday. <laughs> I mean, come on. Give, give the man some credit here. Like, he balled out. He, he, he played well uh, as a quarterback. To me, there's not a big fantasy takeaway from the Eagles side. The Eagles did what they did, right? You know, I mean, another awesome game from A.J. Brown. 
DeAndre Swift has clearly established himself as the running back you want. He got into the end zone. That's helpful. Jalen Hurts did Jalen Hurts things. This was in bounds. Come on. Look at this. Like, that's – I. so upsetting. I I actually think what happened is is this guy's – we're seeing the McLaurin play for those that are just listening to the audio. I honestly – see, that looks in bounds to me. I think they screwed this one up. Okay, yeah. am I wrong? Like, no, you know, they didn't want to overturn it. I think that's and I agree. I think it was in bounds as well. They got it wrong on the initial call, and they often don't overturn it unless it's overwhelming evidence, and that's kind of what happened there. Do you think uh, there's karma for Ron no longer Riverboat Rivera not going for two at the end? Safety Ron? <sighs> Safety, Safety Ron. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you got to go for two there, man. You think you, you have to? Go for two there. When you're the weaker team, and they are. They're not as yes, good as the correct. Eagles, and you I go agree. to overtime, and you got a chance. You got a fifty percent chance to end it. Coin flip. You got to go for that. I didn't hate it just because I felt like they had, you know, they had some momentum there, and and they could go for it. And um, I didn't hate it because I also thought, by the way, it was so sort of fluky to get into the end zone there at the end that I sort of thought, like, let's put together a drive. And I, and listen, I, they should have. I mean, again, the McLaurin, the McLaurin thing gets called right. Like, he looks like a genius. Sick by throw. The way, or by, brilliant throw by Sam Howell. And by the way, on the other side of the ball, like, you know, Penn State Blake over there, who's a diehard Eagles fan, he's all, he's all smiles because he knows. There he is. Look at him. <laughs> look, look at him. He's all actually the happiest we've seen he's all, he's all smiley because he knows – he knows they got away with one because on that fourth down, that was a false start. Like, you know, uh, the, the guy, like, I, I think it was the right guard that, like, just uh, that moved. Uh, that, like, 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 he was in the secondary by the time they actually snapped the ball. Seriously, go back and watch that play. But Penn State Blake, you, you agree, right? You, did, you guys did get away with one there. Four and oh, he, he just says four and oh. Blake's very defensive about me uh, criticizing his Eagles for not having done much yet. Well, I guess they beat the Patriots, Vikings, Bucks, and Commanders. So, uh, Super Bowl next. Uh, looking forward, Blake, to them playing uh, Dallas at KC, Buffalo, and San Francisco in succession uh, end of November, start of the season. If there's, if, there's, if there's one other takeaway fantasy-wise, I don't think there's anything from the Eagles. But honestly, from the commander's side here, it was nice to see John Dotson get in the end zone. But Brian Rob- I feel like Brian Robinson um, – is sort of matchup proof at this point, like just sure. as a locked-in RB2. He just runs so hard. And Terry McLaurin, 25.6% target share in week four. That's the highest in a game this season, most targets, receptions, and receiving yards in a game. Like he looked like, oh, yeah, that's Terry McLaurin. And, again, if they call that play correctly in overtime, you know, it's an even better day as well. But, um, you know, eight for 86 in this one, 22.6 fantasy points. He's a top-ten wide receiver heading into Monday Night Football. It was just nice to see Terry McLaurin doing Terry McLaurin things. I think he's he's back to being that top 20-ish wide receiver he was drafted to be. Yep, definitely. And had the big play taken away from him. I think the other takeaway, though, is that Sam Howell's got to stop taking sacks. Because if he keeps yes, taking six sacks a game, brutal. he is not going to make it through the season. That I agree. He is on pace to exceed the sacks record by like 30%. That cannot continue. He needs to... I mean, it's admirable in a way because he's clearly tough and he's taking yeah. these hits and he's standing in the pocket. He's got to get rid of the ball more. He cannot he's, hit taking I mean, this. like, some of the offensive line's been brutal, yep. but some of it's also on Howell. Yep. I agree with you. Anyway, much discuss after their big victory over uh, Chicago on Thursday night. <laughs> the toughest competition of the year is here. The biggest talents in men's rugby take the stage as 20 countries compete for 20 days of heart-pounding, hard-hitting action at the Rugby World Cup. Watch every match live on Peacock yes. all the way through the final on October 28th. The game's also available on CNBC. We're going to break when we're back. Weekend Warriors. Evo was right. Three or left. They give it to McCaffrey off the left side. One, two, three, 
four, touchdown, <laughs> CMC. Weekend Warriors, of course, highlighted by that guy right there, Christian McCaffrey, who we got the Cowboys, the 49ers, for the first time we ever on Sunday Night Football. We got a great game. You're loving this, this promo. <laughs> I do, because it's, it's popcorn. I'm like, I love popcorn. Popcorn's one of my big snacks, so I, yeah. I like well, we it We can lot. confirm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've been gobbling it down in the ad break. Gobbling. Absolutely gobbling. Yeah. During the break. Uh, yeah, no, Christian McCaffrey's good. Uh, had an excellent game. Yeah. Can I just Break say, this though? Down. What, what, what can we say about Christian McCaffrey that we haven't said before? He's awesome. He should have been the number one player picked in fantasy drafts this year. He's amazing. He's our one true king. I mean, he is kind of tier one by himself of fantasy uh, players at the moment, I would say, even above guys like Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah. Among running backs, it's clearly him, and then there is a gap to whoever is number two, really. And you can make a case for a few guys. And there's Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs also on Steven D'Agostino's team. Like, exactly. Like, all the players that have been crappy all year yeah. long, and then yeah. they just show Jacobs up is no me. good. He didn't win the rushing title they last year. They play me, and so they're going <laughs> off. Can I just say about Christian McCaffrey? Can yes, we sir. please stop the McCaffrey MVP? stuff. He's not the most valuable player on his own team. If only we had a game to reference where Brock Purdy got injured in the first half and see what the Niners look like without Brock Purdy. Oh, well, oh, we yeah, did. We the did, NFC did. title game where they had a non-functional offense without Brock Purdy. Purdy leads the league in passer rating in QBR. Since he came into the league, he's number one in EPA per play among quarterbacks. He's 25-1 to 1 to an MVP. It's completely insane. He has longer odds than McCaffrey. I'm sorry, Purdy is much more important to that team than Christian McCaffrey. And I get it because his name is Brock Purdy and he was the last pick in the draft. But he's legitimately good at this point. Uh, and look, no one thinks he's the best quarterback in the league. But if you have the best season, then you win MVP. He should be like the fourth favorite for MVP. Not have longer odds than Justin Herbert and Christian he McCaffrey. He won't go. I feel like that's lost money if you put money on Brock Purdy to win MVP because there's no way he wins it. He doesn't get the credit. That's right. I think if, he the, will. if the Niners, if the, the here's where the credit will go. It will go to Shanahan for Coach of the Year. You know, maybe it goes to like McCaffrey can win Offensive Player of the Year. I just think that if you there lead you the league in every efficiency metric on the best team and you're the quarterback, then all of a sudden here's the thing: the people, MVP will go to like the AFC champion. It'll go to Josh Allen or whoever. Yeah, but pe- people don't think of Brock Purdy as an MVP caliber player. If he beats up on the Cowboys and makes some big plays on Sunday Night Football, then all of a sudden the narrative shifts. So I go, actually, Brock Purdy is a legitimate top six, top seven quarterback. I disagree. I, I, think the, I think the media has made up their mind, and I think that even if he does that, they'll be like, look at the scheme. Look, Kyle Shanahan scheming it open. Like, I, I could hit Debo Samuel. He's so wide open. Look at that. What an unbelievable you know, run after the catch by George Kittle. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, but, Brock yeah. Purdy will never get credit. You know who also schemes up really good plays? Andy Reid. Does, mm. does that take away from Mahomes having Kelsey and Tyreek Hill when he was winning MVP? Except Patrick Mahomes was still a first-round pick who can throw the ball 80 yards from his knees. Yeah. Like, he just, I mean, you know, yeah. it's like, it just is what it is. Like, he, anyway, we should, All right. we should move on. Christian McCaffrey's very good. One that's uh, a little bit more unique start to Weekend Warriors. Him. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah, my yeah. Big, that's yeah. my biggest takeaway yeah, start. Uh, in terms of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, like, keep it start, open. Yeah, listen, keep it open, right? Exactly. Brandon Ayuk was good as well. Debo didn't do much. He was hurt coming into the game, but whatever. Another weekend warrior, rookie Michael Wilson on the Cardinals. Caught all seven of his targets for 76 yards, but most importantly why he makes this list, guys. Michael Wilson had two touchdowns, and this is now back-to-back weeks here, Barry, where Wilson is really cementing his role in Arizona's passing attack under Josh Dobbs. He is. He He had a nice camp, and, you know, he's secretly sort of been the guy, and I think one of the reasons he didn't get more attention is because no one thought Arizona was going to be any good. And we've talked about this a lot. 
By the way, Josh Dobbs will be on our waiver wire tomorrow as well. Like, Josh Dobbs is a top, is a QB1 through four weeks of the season. Like, he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Josh Dobbs has proven two things. He belongs, to, he deserves to, deserves to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And more importantly, he is good enough to make players relevant in fantasy, even in tough matchups. You know, and that's what he did here. You know, Marquise Brown had a decent game. Zach Ertz, you know, should have had a touchdown. Like, don't get me started. It's somebody who had the Cardinals plus 14 um, at the end of Zach Ertz did. But, like, no. I mean, Michael Wilson is his third straight game with, you know, 55 or more receiving yards. They play the Bengals. They're at the Rams. They're at Seattle, home to Baltimore. Not a schedule that scares you yeah. uh, as well. And so, we'll, again, we'll dive more into where you should – rank him in, in the waiver column tomorrow. But I think this is more real than not. Again, he's had a really nice camp. He's a talented player. I mean, you tell me, like, wh- how, where did you grade out Wilson when he came out of school? He would have been a top five wide receiver last year for everybody. He just barely played football for the better part of three years. It was always something. He had a significant foot injury, another lower body injury. He goes to the senior bowl. He looks like the maybe the best offensive player on the field watching those practices where you're going, okay, this is realistically a back end around one talent with day three medical. So he goes on day two. That's basically how it goes. So the talent is phenomenal. If he stays healthy, this is who he is. This is not a fluke. Yep. And look, the takeaway is is Josh Dobbs is real. The fact that he goes 20 out of 41 for 265 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, only takes one sack, had multiple touchdowns dropped as well. Should have had a much better day. And he's got weapons in Brown and Ertz when he's not dropping touchdowns, and Wilson and Connor in the backfield's been phenomenal. Didn't have a big day yesterday because the game script. A big fight after the game. Yeah. This is a legit offense, and Dobbs is a a legit quarterback. Yeah. Marquise Brown, by the way, on my team against Steven. Drop the t- touchdown. Don't get me started. 7 for 96 is fun. Another pass catcher with a big day, Nico Collins. He caught seven of his nine targets for 168 yards and two touchdowns. As C.J. Stroud goes, so do these Texans pass catchers. Yep, and last week it was Tank Dell. This week it's Nico Collins. Nico Collins is an elite wide receiver at this point. And the big thing here, again, it's so tied to the quarterback. C.J. Stroud is has been phenomenal uh, in his first month in the NFL. And to me, the most stunning stat about Stroud is that behind that offensive line, where now we have backups getting injured and backups of the backup coming in, and going up against T.J. Watt and the Steelers, didn't take a sack, didn't take a sack the week before against Jacksonville. He's been so good at avoiding pressure, at stepping up in the pocket, uh, and guys like Nico Collins and Tank Dell are benefiting. Barry, uh, Alvin Kamara, <laughs> big day for fantasy because he has over 21 points, but an odd stat line, 11 carries, 51 yards. Get this, 13 receptions for 33 yards. It's insane. And uh, Hey, Stephen, throw up the tweet that I sent you. So I saw this on, uh, on X this morning. This is uh, from, uh, this is from uh, John Lagaza. Per True Media, 137 NFL players have gotten 13 or more receptions in a game since 2000. Only five managed under 80 receiving yards doing it when they got 13 or more receptions in a game, right? Jarvis Landry had 78, Julian Edelman 78, Jalen Samuel 73, Ladadian Tomlinson 72, Alvin Kamara 33. <laughs> You like think, it's almost statistically impossible. You think that's like, crazy? Uh-huh. It's the fewest receiving yards by a player with 10-plus receptions in a game since 1970. And per producer Damien, it's not just since 1970. That's just how far back the database goes. This has basically never been done. By the way, I'm the only person in this table that was actually alive in 1970. Just, you know, I was born in 1969. Like, that's how old I am. Like, I mean, just so you know, like, it, by the way... Like December 29th, 1969. So I mean, like just barely Snuck alive in, in 1970. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't remember. Shot you know of the what I mean? 60s. So Back to our cover. Yeah. Right, exactly. 100%. <laughs> so I'm just, couldn't do. No, no, no. I, so 
it'll be really interesting to see. Like, the positives here is the usage, right? Like, like he had a 75% snap rate. Of the 28 teams running back touches, he got 24 of them. Derek Carr was a surprise start, you know, after injuring his shoulder. And so maybe that was it. He just he needed to dump off. He felt felt like he couldn't chuck it deep. I, I don't know. This is weird. But uh, this also makes me nervous because, again, I don't think you can count on this kind of usage. By the way, coming up, they're at New England. That's a tough matchup. They're at Houston. That's a much better defense than they get credit for. Home to Jacksonville. Again, like a solid defense at Indy. So it's not, not you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, don't get – you're happy to see it, but I, I think the jury's still out on what Kamara will be this year. I think the jury's still out on the Saints offense in general. This is two yeah. years in a row where they just look so stuck in the mud. And this team has so much talent. And we'll get to Chris Olave. But between him, the rejuvenated Michael Thomas – Derek Carr is an upgraded quarterback. They just cannot get out of the mud. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is just, is, it should be a more explosive offense, and it's just not. Yeah, and Carr yeah. doesn't look right. But we'll I get mean, more into the Saints. Time, a, well, let's, yeah, we can go. Okay, we'll yeah. get more into the Saints offense. Yeah. But before we do, obviously, as we get into the Sunday scaries, we're getting closer to Halloween, a lot of scaries. The Bengals plan on being full participants. We got to hear Dude. from Jamar Chase, a very frustrated Jamar Chase, after the game yesterday. Probably my first time seeing him through this injury, an injury like this, besides, you know, that knee. Um, but being on the team with him just the first time like that. So, you know, he just going through a little adversity. He's going to be back good. Four games this season. Do you feel like you've had less time to get open and create space for yourself? Nah, I'm open. I'm always open. Excuse my profanity. I'm sorry. That was Jamar Chase, the man that says he's always, always open. effing open. He ain't wrong. No, he ain't wrong. As we show you Joe Burrow's stats here, Joe Burrow headlines our Sunday scaries, Jay. 20 of 30, 165 yards and a fumble. This has just been the season from hell for Joe Burrow so far. Who'd you rather have the rest of the season, Matthew? Joe Burrow or Josh Dobbs? I'm going to say Joe Burrow, but man, oh man. You don't feel great about it. I don't feel great about that. Yeah. I mean, he's just clearly not right. I think the the positive, Connor, would be that they've got two games coming up against the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and then they hit their bye. But I and said it just... last week against Tennessee. And no, I was no. dead wrong. Well, it's more about the bye. Just yeah. <laughs> two more games, then you get to the bye. No, then hopefully like, he's like, I'll up. completely own this, right? I mean, Joe Burrow was one of my big loves this week as well. I, I On my shot for shot, I said he'll be a top three fantasy quarterback today. I used him as the anchor in my DraftKings DFS lineup. Mm. That won me no yeah, money. Same. I mean, like, I'm just like, <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I called it wrong on this one. I'll just, you know, uh, it's just tough. Like, he's been under nine fantasy points in three or four games this season. He's had zero touchdown passes in three or four. I don't know that you can start him with any confidence until you see something here, especially, by the way, T. Higgins is now going to miss multiple weeks with a fractured rim injury. He leaves this game. So, a quarterback that's struggling is down one of his big weapons, Connor. I, I'm nervous here. Right, and you have all these guys that are streamer worthy at this point, right? right. Josh Dobbs, Russell Wilson, like CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud. Where you're looking at Burrow right now, and you're going until I see it because I've now been burned for what a month. Yeah. Been burned a month. I'd rather try one of those other guys. And the- the kind of the middle class of quarterbacks, which I think is, you know, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Brock Purdy, Kirk Cousins, all those guys I feel better about than Burrow if Higgins is out and his calf isn't right. Now, I do think there will be a point where he is a buy low, particularly when he goes through the bye week. But, uh, yeah, it's not looking good for Joe Burrow. And the I mean, Bengals. just jokes aside, but who would you rather have this week? Who would you, you don't do rankings for us, but who do you rank higher? Uh, Joe Burrow at Arizona or future Hall of Famer Sam Howell? Home to Chicago in a short week. Sam Hell. Yeah, I think it's Sam Hell. Yeah, there you go. Don't make I just me wanted ask to make him say something positive Zach about Sam Howell. <laughs> no, no, I'd take Joe Burrow over Zach Wilson. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get back to the Saints offense because Chris Olave also makes this list. He caught one of five targets for four yards. 
Jay, Derek Carr just didn't even look right coming off. Nothing looked right in this offense. No, and I think you kind of have to throw it out because Carr clearly didn't look like himself, physically didn't look right, and there's just going to be these type of games. I will say it is weird that they just don't force-feed it to Olave more. First half of the Carolina game as well, he's just unsighted, and Carr was fully healthy for that game. So, look, there just has to be a reorientation where they just need to force-feed Chris Olave because he's one of the top 10 most talented wide receivers in the game. Barry, quiet day for Debo Samuel, who dealt with injuries. Chris, I, I, have a, I have a friend who uh, started Chris Olave in his guillotine league and is likely is he, to get cut. Is he chopped? Me. He, he might be. It's going to it's gonna be close tonight. Yeah. Welcome to the it's, party, pal. It's Jay Croucher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah. I, I got five points out of Chris Olave and TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's fun. For you. Yeah. No sympathy over here. <laughs> uh, okay. Debo Samuel dealt with a knee and a lot of different injuries throughout the week of practice, and it translates to a game where Barry, he really just didn't do much. Probably didn't need to do much, quite frankly, but quiet day for Debo Samuel. It was, but if there's a positive here, he played on 87% of the offensive snaps, right? You know, he ran 10 routes, didn't catch a pass. That's the first time that's happened in his career. I don't think that's going to happen again. Just a bad day at the office. Again, I was surprised he actually suited up and played. He didn't practice all week, and then they just didn't need him because Ayuk and McCaffrey were going crazy. Jay, the struggles for Ramondre Stevenson continue. 14 carries for 30 yards. The Patriots' offense was abysmal yesterday and Ramondre this has been a bad season for Ramondre Stevenson so hasn't far. been great he hasn't looked right hasn't looked explosive I will say that at least he had 14 carries to Ezekiel Elliott six right so at least that didn't flip and look this game was just a total write-off Mac Jones that's the worst I've ever seen him play he wasn't really ever seen a quarterback play in general he was atrocious I think you've just got to throw it out and hope that Ramondre bounces back yeah I will say though here's their next three of their next four right or they're home to New Orleans you don't love that at Las Vegas okay fine home to Buffalo Let's yeah. two of their next three are tough matchups, I think, in, in the Saints and the Bills. They are home games for the Patriots as well, but you hope he can get off the snide. But I think he's he's probably still like a low end RB two that you're hoping. You you know, you just you wish for more passing game involvement. That's the crazy part, is yeah. only two receptions in this game. In a game in which they were getting blown out from moment one. But to your point, Mac Jones struggled mightily against the Cowboys. A lot of people struggle mightily against the Cowboys. Yep. Our last one, Miles Sanders, 13 carries for only 19 yards, three catches for 13 yards here. Barry, just nothing working for Miles Sanders and a very questionable offense right now. I mean, listen, they should have been able to move the ball against Minnesota, and they didn't. If there's one positive about Miles Sanders, he's got 23 targets this year, second most among running backs. He did catch three balls for 13 yards in this one. So if there's some positive, it's that. He is getting some passing game involvement, which has not always been a consistent in his career. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, the offense just isn't as good under Bryce Young as it is under Andy Dalton. And so it just depends on sort of what they want to do with this team. I think They're 0-4 now, right? And so, you know, at what point do you say, that's probably bad news for Miles Sanders because at 0-4 you just say, like, let's just get the kid reps. And so I don't think they're going to make a change at quarterback here. Um, they're at Detroit. They're at Miami. Then they've got to buy and they're home to Houston. That's tough. Yep. I mean, the, the Lions are a decent defense. The Miami Dolphins, in both games, I feel like they're going to get down big. And so, you know, and then the, and then the buy. I, ooh. Just, I, I, he's a flex. He's a hope for a touchdown flex at this yeah, point. Yeah, and he had injury concern coming in, and Shuba Hubbard got work as a result of that. Just a weird game overall. There were two defensive touchdowns in it, and the game still didn't get barely got within two touchdowns of the total. Uh, the under 47 hit with ease. So, look, I mean, Bryce Young, not great. Again, he was more, he completed more passes, but at the same time, took five sacks. Didn't look great out there. Uh, I also thought that, that line, I mean, we talked about this. We liked the under on the, yeah. in that game because we talked about, like, how do they seem scoring points? 
points. Like, no. again, the, right. the Panthers actually have a decent defense. The Panthers don't have a good offense. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to uh, be able to do that there. But I don't know that there's a takeaway here other than just, like, feels like Adam Thielen's the only part of the Panthers' <laughs> offense that you feel like you can, you know, somewhat trust. Blake's sentence. Crush your Sunday scaries next weekend with the best remedy possible, Sunday night football. You guys have some of this really Check good. out NBCSports.com slash ScaryGoodSNF to enter for a chance to win a trip for two to a Sunday night football game next season. And check out our watch party schedule. We're going to break when we're back. Last call, Monday night football preview. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app and use promo code BERRY when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. It's time for Last Call, and here's the most bet Monday Night Football props, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings, led by Daniel Jones passing touchdowns under one and a half. Geno Smith passing touchdowns under one and a half. Kenneth Walker rushing yards over 62 and a half. DK Metcalf receiving yards over 60 and a half. Geno Smith passing yards over 250 and a half. Jay, you taking anything from this board or do you have a best bet of your own away from the public? Uh, well, firstly, it's good to see the public taking some unders. Uh, That's usually it's over heavy like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. All it took was doubting Daniel Jones. Yes, Very in, brave. Yes, indeed. <laughs> in uh, in prime time, no less. Uh, I'm taking an alternate line here, and it's a big line. It's a home run swing, but for a home run hitter. And that's Kenneth Walker to go 125-plus rushing yards at plus 1,000. I just Ooh. think that they are going to be in game script where they can run it a lot. I think the Giants I like are that. not going to run a ton I of like plays because get, just because their offensive line is just unviable. And I think that Walker, who is getting the lion's share of work, he will have opportunities just through volume and through being able to break one to go 125-plus. He's also, right to your point, like he is a home run hitter. Yes. I mean, like not only is the better a home run a swing, but he's a home run hitter. Like, he's a guy that could have a 65-yard touchdown yep. scamper, and he immediately gets there. Hit right? this twice last year. Yeah, yeah, a, a, exactly. I actually really like that call. I'm going to stick with uh, Kenneth Walker, but I'm just going to go anytime touchdown, which is obviously a plus money. Uh, look, his touches have increased every week. You mentioned that, 18 uh, each of the last two weeks. But the Giants have allowed a rushing touchdown to a running back every game this season. Every game this year, an opposing running back has scored on them. If there's a running back touchdown in this game, it's most likely Ken Walker as well. He's top three among all running backs in the NFL in goal to go and red zone carries through three weeks. We know that unless the Super Bowl is on the line, Pete Carroll <laughs> likes to run when he gets in close. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's not a Super Bowl on the line, so likely they get in close, he'll run it with Ken Walker. Guys, I have a fun one for you. I'm going Seattle mm. wins the race to 15 points at minus okay. 120. Let's oh, be real right. here. Not only the Giants slept walk through their games this year, they haven't gotten to 15 points two out of the three games. So, listen, I know Seattle has to travel a long way to play this game. I like Seattle's offense tonight a lot. I think I'm shocked that's minus 120. I think Geno gets them to 15 well before yeah. the Giants. Not, not, not a bad one. Uh, just, just to put some money on the Giants here, how about this? I'll take, I'll take the over on 46 and a half receiving yards for Darren Waller. It's been a while. We haven't seen the Darren Waller we expected in the preseason, but he's now had back-to-back games with seven or more targets. Uh, Seattle allows the highest yards per reception to opposing tight ends. The middle of the field is somewhere where you can attack with the Seahawks. I do think primetime game. They're going to want to try to get something going. Waller's their best offensive option now that Saquon Barkley is unlikely to play tonight. So give me the over on 46 and a half receiving yards for Darren the Baller Waller. Yep, I like that. All right, that's it for us. For everybody else, uh, enjoy a lot of Daniel Jones doubt tonight. It's coming from <laughs> yeah, this desk. Exactly. It's coming from the public. That's for everyone, well. listen, it's closing time, which means you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For every single person on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour crew, except... 
Penn State Blake. Oh. Screw that guy. We would like to say good luck in Monday Night Football tonight. We'll be back tomorrow for Jay, Connor, and Matthew and all of us here, except Blake. Peace out. <laughs>